I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You're listening to the Broncos and Bratwurst podcast right here on MileHighReport.com, a box media podcast with SB Nation. I'm your host, Kevin Gilligan. I'll be joined later by my... I guess you could say co-host, the skipper dude. He's He always does his own segments. Um, I live near Munich, Germany. He lives in the U.S., so it makes it a little bit difficult for us to do a show together. So we do our own um, separate uh, segments. Everyone who listens to the show already knows that. We typically talk about a lot more of the philosophical side of football, the 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 attitude, the drama, you know, the human element and sometimes, obviously, we go into the stats and what we think of the players, etc. We both kind of like that, you know, that emotional side of things. And so when you have a bye week, there's not a whole lot going on. So it's probably going to be a little bit of a shorter week, um, a little bit of a shorter episode this week, I should say. And in the second, in my second segment, we'll talk a little bit, obviously, about the Minnesota Vikings and what I expect to happen there. And maybe we'll talk a little bit about what's going on in the NFL uh, the Broncos this week did obviously have some news. Um, Drew Locke is now practicing, thank goodness. And Bryce Callahan also back to practice, though. It sounds like he's likely to be shut down for the rest of the year. Uh, Tim Patrick is coming back from injury. So there are some there are some good things happening. Um, I've heard Juwan James is, is potentially getting better um, and hopefully might possibly play again this year, though I don't have a whole lot of hope for that. Um, if he does, obviously that's good news. For the Broncos and for Drew Locke. Now, the rumor, I think this is coming out from even Broncos, quote-unquote, sources, is that um, Drew Locke will not play until the Broncos have lost eight games. Now, of course, right now they're three and six, so they need to lose two more. That's very possible or even likely to happen in the next two games. They're playing in Minnesota and in Buffalo, two tough places to play against two tough teams, two teams that are obviously well above 500. The Minnesota Vikings, I think, are one of the best teams in the NFL, one of the most complete teams. They're they're really solid almost every position you look at. I think that's going to be a really tough thing for the Broncos to overcome. Again, we'll talk about in the third segment after the skipper dude um, is the, the, the meat and potatoes of my sandwich today in today's episode. Um, what I do want to talk about is is what we expect now. Again, we, we, we touched on this last week. What can we expect now that Drew Locke is practicing, now that they're saying he won't start until they've lost eight games? What does that mean? What, what does that mean for Broncos and for Broncos fans? Does that mean we can expect him to play? Does that mean, what, what does that mean the Broncos think of the guy? And I think it's, it's, it's an interesting question because I think they don't really seem to know. As we said last week, I thought that if they didn't play Drew Locke this season, it was actually good news for Drew Locke fans because it meant that John Elway and the staff were totally convinced he could be the guy. Now, I think him playing at some point this year proves or shows that they're not completely sure, which obviously doesn't surprise me. The guy's a rookie and he's barely played because he's been hurt, which is nobody's fault, obviously. So it's not a surprise. It's not, it's not a, it's not a bad thing that they're going to start him at some point. Now, the problem is, it's not a problem. It's not a problem with the team, 
But I'm really curious what happens if the Broncos win one of the next two games against the Vikings or against the Buffalo Bills, which I think is possible. The Broncos are showing they are a team that can, if they play a very good, clean game, can beat just about anybody. And I think that's true. And if they do win, if Brandon Allen somehow, you know, puts up another really solid game where I think he was, it was the fourth best QBR rating since I think it was 2016. So since Peyton Manning, um, and, and, and actually I wonder if he, it was even better than 2015 because Peyton Manning's, uh, quarterback ratings in 2006 in 2015 were obviously not very good. Um, and so Brandon Allen is, he's got a chance in the next two games and maybe plus, but what, what do we do if he does succeed? And I think, I think you're kind of putting the team in a weird position now that you're saying that Drew Locke will only start once they lose eight games. Because, I mean, are you really saying if if Brandon Allen and the Broncos have a chance to win, do, you, do we really think it's going to be because of Brandon Allen? I mean, heck, maybe. Maybe he's the next Tom Brady. But it's, it's almost like you're creating a quarterback controversy when you really shouldn't have one. I, I think they should make it so... This is no controversy. You know, Brandon Allen is, is only a backup. He's got no chance with the team because otherwise you're going to get another Trevor Simeon, you know, situation where you got a guy who maybe outplays your rookie. The rookie never gets a chance to play. And your 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 Brandon Allen will end up being a nobody because, come on, what's his ceiling? His ceiling is Case Keenum, you know, something like that. And so you don't want Case Keenum as a ceiling. You want Drew Locke to become the next, you know, big thing. And you're never going to know that until the guy plays. Now... I understand if you don't want to do that this year, but the problem is if you do it, you know, and you start saying, oh, we'll only do it once we're sure this team's not a winning team this year, and that's eight wins. Are you saying that if they don't, if, if they go seven and nine in the last losses in the last game of the season, you're actually running with Brandon Allen because you think Brandon Allen has a chance to have a future with his team? Ah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I love this, this strategy. I mean, I think either you just say, yeah, Drew Locke's going to play as soon as he's healthy, as soon as he's ready, period. He's the future. He's the guy. Brandon Allen is not. He's not. He's not. He's not. Or you say, yep, Brandon Allen's going to take it this year. We're going to give him a chance maybe to sign with another team or heck, you know, to be a good backup guy that we can trust for for a long term, which obviously you need. Drew Locke has already gotten hurt. I mean, this happens in the NFL. Look how important backup quarterbacks have been this season in the NFL. It's been unbelievable how these guys have come in and, and proven that, you know, you need that. You need that backup to keep you competitive. Guys like Kyle Allen, guys like Teddy Bridgewater kept their teams afloat and even won, even were actually better even than their starters. Now, I don't think that's going to be the case with Brandon Allen, but, you know, at least it's a chance. At least you know who you have. And then if you start him for the rest of the year and start Drew Locke next year, you're saying, yep, Drew Locke is our guy. We're going to roll with him for the next few years, no matter what. We're going with we're going with Fangio. We're going with Scangarello. We're going with Locke. And that makes sense to me because then your your plan is is set. You you have a face of your team. You know what it's going to be, sink or swim. And that's what I think Elway should do because I think Elway doesn't have an unlimited contract. Now, as unlimited as many people are going to get, but it is limited. And I think he does have a bit of a leash. And so if that's the case, he needs to find an image for this team. And I don't think in any possible way, Brandon Allen is the image for this team. The Denver Broncos fans are not going to handle a guy like Brandon Allen, who has the upside of a good Case Keenum. That's not good enough. Now, the Broncos need to to get back to their winning ways. And I think they're on in the right direction. They've had a couple good drafts. They have some really good rookies to build on. Skipper Dude's going to talk about that later, who who should stay and who should go. And and I think he has a really good segment um, about, you know, the, the, there is hope for this team and there is a good, you know, um, base to build on. 
but it's not going to be on Brandon Allen unless some miracle happens. I mean, he looked good. He looked better than Joe Flacco, which doesn't surprise me, as everyone knows. But yeah, come on. So I don't know. I, I don't really like how they're handling it, honestly. So in the end, I I don't know what I want. What do I want from these next two weeks? I don't want Brandon Allen to be the, the quarterback for the rest of the season unless they're sure that Drew Locke's going to be the quarterback. And if they're already practicing him this year and saying that he could start this year, they're not sure he's going to be the quarterback next year. And so hopefully people are following my 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 thought process here that, I don't know, I think you either go all in with Drew Locke this year or you go all in next year. It doesn't make sense to say, yeah, we'll see what Brandon Allen can do and then if he fails, we'll put Drew Locke in. That, that come on, pick, make a decision. Is Drew Locke your future or not? Are you going to see if he's your future this year or next year? Stop, stop this juggling of quarterbacks and stop just hoping that some sixth round quarterback from nowhere is going to end up being the salvation of your team because it's really, really, really unlikely. Drew Locke obviously has more tools and weapons and, and a better arm and better mobility, et cetera. Or, okay, maybe not mobility, but everything else than, than, than Brandon Allen. Now, can he be a better quarterback? We don't know yet, but we have to see. He has that ceiling. He has that higher ceiling, and you have to roll with that. And I don't like that the Broncos front office is just continuing this weird idea that they're still competitive this year, and they're not. They're not going anywhere this year. They're three and six. Why are you waiting to lose two games before you start Drew Locke? Now, I understand if you're saying, yeah, we want to protect him. We don't want him going in for his first game against two really good defenses. Yeah, well, then you're saying three weeks from now, it's against the Chargers. That's Joey Bosa and, and, and Ingram. I mean, is that a great you know, week to start? I don't think so. So I don't know. I, I don't love what they're doing. Um, I think you just got to throw the kid in there. Uh, I would throw him in even against Buffalo. I think Buffalo is a good defense, but they're not a great defense. I think that they even have some weaknesses that the Chargers don't. I think the Chargers have a better straight-up pass rush, at least from the edge, and I think that's going to be more dangerous for, for him than than for the Bills. So I would like to see him against the Bills, but it looks like they're not going to do that no matter what. And I don't know. I mean, I don't love it. Uh, we'll see what happens. Um, I don't think they're going to win against Minnesota, but again, we'll talk about that in the third segment. I'm going to send it over straight away to the skipper dude who's going to tell us his thoughts about the future of the Broncos, the 2020 Broncos, who on this roster right now is still going to be here next year, and who should we, um, I don't know, who should we buy the jerseys? You know, Who are the guys we should look at and say, that guy, I want his jersey because he's going to be here to stay. Skipper dude, after this quick break. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. To let me know Should I stay or should I go If you say that you are mine 
Thanks as always, Kevin. So today, with Broncos Country gearing up for the Broncos Week 10 game in Minnesota, I thought I'd do my own version of a mid-season report card. But instead of looking back, I'm going to look forward and get a jump on what everybody really should be excited about this time of the year. I know I am. And that's the beginning of the 2020 season. So I thought I would project a starting lineup for 2020, mostly as a means of identifying the holes that need to be filled in the offseason, in addition to something we can come back to come July or August to see how things evolved, I, I thought it would also help a bit for our viewing pleasure this year to watch the rest of this season with an eye toward how next year's team is starting to take shape. I know as I went through this exercise, I, it really helped me to realize that this Broncos team is a whole lot closer to being truly competitive than many people think. So we need to look at both talent and expiring contracts here because both are going to play into next year's roster. Elway has a ton of cap space to work with next year, so he should have no problem re-signing pretty much anybody he wants to re-sign. So starting a quarterback, I don't think there's any surprise here. Unless he completely flames out, Brandon Allen is going to come to camp next year as your number one quarterback with the hope and the expectation that Drew Locke will take the job from him. Locke will come in as the number two because Fangio is not going to just hand him the job, but I have to believe the expectation is that Drew Locke will be your starting quarterback to start the 2020 season and Brandon Allen will be your number two. As I said last week, your objective for the rest of this season at quarterback is to see whether Brandon Allen can be a viable backup quarterback who can win a few games in a pinch and perhaps even take over for a full season if Drew Locke doesn't progress as we'd all hoped. The one thing I can't stress enough, John Elway, is please, please, please don't give in to the temptation to bring in Tom Brady next year. You might think that you're getting 2012 Peyton Manning, but you won't be. You'll be getting 2015 Peyton Manning, maybe 2014 Peyton Manning at best. You struck gold with Peyton Manning. You struck out with Joe Flacco. Just give it a rest and let the kids handle things. A big, big no to Tom Brady should he be on the market. Now, on the offensive line, Garrett Bowles and Ron Leary are most certainly out. Leary has a team option $9 million contract next year, so releasing him is honestly a no-brainer. He's just not been a $9 million a year type guard. But you have a very nice nucleus to build around with Dalton Reisner, Connor McGovern, and Juwan James, if, John, if James stays healthy. Elijah Wilkinson is probably even a viable swing tackle, but there are definitely two holes to fill there. McGovern is playing out his rookie contract and is probably a tweener in terms of being re-signed. He doesn't really add huge value to this offense, but he's not a big liability either. And I'm guessing he'll be relatively inexpensive to resign, so I'm thinking he stays. I think you'll get a feel from his signing bonus and guaranteed money, whether Elway is looking to upgrade the center position, possibly through the draft. I kind of doubt it, honestly. I think McGovern's your guy, and for me, that's okay. Now, your tight end room looks stacked for 2020. Uh, Noah Fant could be a top five type of tight end by next year, 
I'm thinking he's going to emerge next year like Cortland Sutton, uh, Sutton did this year. And Hireman and Fumagalli are, are plenty solid as depth. Jake Butt will probably get be getting his last opportunity to chase his NFL dream, but there are really no issues at tight end. Wide receiver, of course, you have your number one nailed down with Cortland Sutton. The question really is your number two wide receiver. I think Deshaun Hamilton and Tim Patrick may both have the raw talent to be number two, and Juwan Winfrey may very well stick around as a quality depth guy, and Spencer is a specialist, but I'm not convinced that either Hamilton or Patrick is going to be stick as a number two. So right now, I have number two wide receiver tagged as another need. The running back of the courts are covered for some time to come. No issues there. Devontae Booker and Theo Riddick also, also both have expiring contracts, but so what? So for the offense, you have three real needs. Left tackle, right guard, and wide receiver number two. If your starting quarterback turns out to be an issue, then we're having an entirely different discussion. Now on defense, things start to get a little trickier. Up front, Derek Wolf, Shelby Harris, and Adam Gotsis all have expiring contracts. I think Gotsis is probably gone. That one seems easy. Purcell and Dremont Jones seem like locks to stick into next year. If you'd asked me back about week three what I thought about Derek Wolf, I'd have said that he's slowing down and probably on his way out as a Bronco. But he has absolutely flourished in the Vic Fangio defense with a monster five sacks in nine games. And I don't think he's a guy who's going to be a huge name in the free agent market. So I foresee the Broncos re-signing him. That leaves Shelby Harris on an expiring contract, as well as Demarcus Walker. Are they valuable enough to bring back next year? I think that's iffy. I lean toward no on Harris and yes on Walker, but I wouldn't guarantee that. Now, at outside linebacker, you're absolutely loaded with Von Miller and Bradley Chubb, obviously, but also Malik Reed and Justin Hollins. Von Miller has a $19 million club option for the 2020 season. As it stands today, that makes him the fourth highest paid edge rusher in the NFL. Behind the Bears, Khalil Mack, the Cowboys, Demarcus Lawrence, and excuse me for a second, the Chiefs, Frank Clark. Now, I got to thinking about whether Elway is likely to exercise that option or not this past week, and I think there are extremely compelling arguments either way. So I'm going to shelve that discussion until later in the season, but a quick, quick spoiler alert, I'm anticipating that Elway is going to decline the option, but also sit down with Vaughn and his agents as soon as he can this offseason and see if he can bang out a new three or four year deal that pays Vaughn handsomely, but not best in the NFL type money, maybe four years for $65 million or something like that. Now at inside linebacker, Alexander Johnson has been the find of the year and looks to be your inside linebacker of the future. But personally, I think that neither Todd Davis nor Josie Jewell is a particularly good scheme fit for the Vic Fangio defense. So I'm thinking that if John Elway can find another Alexander Johnson to pair with Alexander Johnson, then Fangio and Ed Donatel and the entire defensive coaching staff is going to sleep well at night this offseason. So now cornerback 
like I said last week, is not a premium position in the Vic Fangio defense. I think you're going to see Chris Harris Jr. looking for a four-year, $60 million type contract. Elway's going to offer probably something more like three years and $40 million. Harris Jr. and, and his agent, Frederick Lyles Jr., will need to budge some. I don't think Elway will, and I don't see this two sides ever really getting that close to a deal. But I do believe CHJ is going to see it signed somewhere else for close to his asking price, maybe four years for 55 million or something like that. So as it stands now, Chris Harris Jr. is probably gone. Isaac Yadam is pretty well a goner. And so you're left with Devontae Bosby and Devontae Harris as your outside guys and Bryce Callahan as your slot corner. Honestly, I think Fangio and Donatel can probably fill in that threesome with a couple of day three draft picks and a low-end free agent or two and be in good shape. So really, no worries a cornerback. At safety, I think you have two guys who are pretty well born to play in this defense in Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson. As I said last week, if Elway needs to break the piggy bank and make Justin Simmons one of the NFL's top paid safeties this offseason. He needs to do that, whatever it takes. Simmons doesn't really strike me as a guy who's going to go all prima donna that way and bust the cap, but I guess we'll see once the offseason gets here. But you think about Justin Simmons and Craig Jackson and Alexander Johnson with a full offseason to learn this defense better and grow in cohesiveness together, and you're potentially looking at some chef's kiss type of good and Will, Will Parks gives you some nice depth, but he's also on an expiring contract. And honestly, Parks is fairly replaceable if you can't resign him for the right price. So there you have about 18 of your 24 core positions covered. You're getting Juwan James, Bradley Chubb, Bryce Callahan, and Devontae Bosby back off of injury. That's probably, you know, fairly typical talent load to be getting off of injury. Every team faces that. And I think you're going to see a big step forward from this year's rookies. Drew Locke, of course, but also guys like Noah Fant and Dream Jones and Justin Hollins and of the returning starters really only Von Miller Derek Wolf if he comes back and Kareem Jackson are going to be in physical decline on the back ends of their physical primes and with 11 picks in the 2020 draft including three in the third round and a huge amount of cap space after trading Emmanuel Sanders dumping Joe Flacco and likely moving on from Chris Harris Jr. this team could very well be one big offseason away from returning to excellence. So with all that, here's what I'm looking for out of the rest of the 2019 season. Number one, does Brandon Allen have the goods to get you nine or maybe even ten wins next year if Drew Locke doesn't develop as expected and Allen is surrounded by a better offensive line and an improving, possibly even a dominant Vic Fangio defense? Number two, can can Tim Patrick or Deshaun Hamilton or Long on shots like Jawan Winfrey or Deontay Spencer emerge as a wide receiver too. Personally, I'm skeptical. I kind of doubt it. Although I think Patrick and Hamilton both have the raw talent. If one of them can emerge, then you've dropped your needs list potentially from six to five. That's huge. Okay, number three that we're looking for this the rest of the season. What's the deal with this foursome of absolute no-names on defense? Alexander Johnson, Malik Reed, Devontae Harris, and Mike Purcell. Good, 
heavens these guys that look good. Are, are they just the flashes in the pan type of guys, or do they really help to form the very foundation of next year's defense? That's something we really need to keep an eye on the rest of this year. And if Malik Reed and Justin Hollins both continue to shine, what does that mean, if anything, for Von Miller? All right, so now number four, and finally, how is this team stacking up against elite NFL teams? They're going to get their chance to see over the next five weeks. No, the 49ers and Patriots are not on the schedule, but between the Vikings, Bills, Chiefs, and Texans all on the road, and a much improved Chargers team in Denver, if the Broncos can stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with four of them, or even all five, then that is going to leave you feeling extremely good about where things are headed in the offseason. So Kevin, you said it a couple weeks ago, but I think we need to take off our cheering to win hats and put our preseason analysis hats back on. We need to start treating the rest of this season as if it were the 2020 preseason. As brutal and awful and, and long as the 2019 preseason was, the 2020 preseason is going to be almost infinitely worse because it effectively be began last week against the Browns. But I think the payoff next season is going to be worth it. Now, winning is not essential, but it would be great. I'm with you, Kevin. I'm a big believer that each win you get in a season like this does more long-term positive culturally than do the higher draft positions that come with losing. I mean, come on. Do you think the Redskins or Dolphins are one monster draft pick away from being good? They're losers. They'll undoubtedly turn things around, but it won't be anytime soon. Do you think teams like, like that draft to it to... to uh, Tagovailoa, nah, his name, Tagovailoa, and suddenly become great. Just ask the Cleveland Browns about that. It very rarely works that way. So I'm rooting to win. I'll take seven and nine. Seven and nine probably means that we lose out on Tua and Herbert and the big left tackle Tristan Wirfs from Iowa. He's the guy I really want, but that's okay. I'd rather see the Broncos headed in the right direction emotionally and culturally and fired up and confident for the 2020 season. We'll deal with the drafts in due time. Kevin, back to you. Good stuff from the skipper dude, as always. I, I really agree with pretty much everything he said. Um, and there is a lot to be hopeful for. Again, I, I really want to reiterate that. I know people think of me as being negative. Um, I've gotten much more positive over the last few weeks because the Broncos have, well, they've played better. And because, of course, they got rid of their anchor, uh, Joe Flacco. And I see a lot of hope for this team, a lot of youth. And I think they're heading in the right direction. I'm not entirely sure what they're doing at quarterback. But, you know, at this point, we'll just have to, you know, hope and pray that they, they don't mishandle the situation and that Drew Locke or whatever the young quarterback is that is the future of the Broncos gets the best chance possible in the next few years while they're still rebuilding. Because, let's be honest, they're still rebuilding. Now, on to the Vikings. This is going to be an interesting game. The Vikings are a, are a very good team, and they, they've kind of exploded on offense since the first, I, I think, three weeks um, and um, 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 Kirk Cousins was really getting lambasted. Uh, people were hating on him, and the guy came out, and he apologized to his receivers. You know, he said, hey, it's going to get better, and it got better. Uh, the guy has played really phenomenally. He's on my primary fantasy football team. I've had faith in him all season. I think he's a good quarterback. He's not a great quarterback. I don't think he deserves the enormous contract, but he is a good quarterback who can win you games. 
And when you put him with two really good receivers when they're healthy, I think Adam Thielen may be out again. And a really, really, really good running back with a good offensive line and a solid defense, obviously you're in line for a good team. And that's what we're going against against the Vikings this week. I think they're a more talented team than the Broncos. Now, the Broncos are going to have an interesting situation because they've not had one of the best running defenses in football, but they're actually the fourth-ranked defense in terms of yardage heading into Week 11, which is pretty amazing considering they're 3-6. and six. Their, their rush defense is 15th right now, again, with yardage. Um, obviously, right in the middle. A lot of that's partly because the beginning of the season was so bad when they had Shelby Harris at newest tackle. They moved in Mike Purcell, and things have been much different. They've, they've, they've really gotten much better against the run, and I think... This is going to be the the real test for this defense. I think in two weeks against Buffalo, they they could really shut down Buffalo. I think they, their defense has the weapons to shut down Josh Allen of the Buffalo Bills and Devin Singletary. I don't know if they do have the weapons to shut down Kirk Cousins and uh, Dalvin Cook. I mean, Cook is really... He's, I think he's the second best running back in football this year. He's got the most yardage rushing. Uh, I think McCaffrey's the best... Um, but Cook is is showing and proving that he is amazing in that scheme from from Kubiak and from their other offensive coordinators. Kubiak's the excuse me the offensive I don't know the what do they call him uh, someone who just came in and, and helped a little bit. Um, anyway, I I see this as being a game that's going to be pretty ugly probably I think the Broncos past defense has proven they play really well together um I think they've got weaknesses I think Chris Harris Jr. is not great I don't think he's as great as as he's been or as he thinks he is I think he's good I think he's solid but he still gives up passes um he's not shut down anymore but with if Adam Thielen's still out you put Harris on digs and I think that you're the rest of the defense can really force them to have to really rely on Dalvin Cook and with how well Johnson has played at middle linebacker, how well Mike Purcell has played, I think they're going to make it interesting. Now, I don't think that the Broncos' offense is going to play as well as they did last week. Um, I, I, or excuse me, two weeks ago against Cleveland, it was great to see. It was amazing to watch. It was a joyful victory, even though maybe in the end it's better to lose. It's a, it's a hot topic. I go back and forth on honestly. Um, I think it's good for young players to win, especially if you have young quarterbacks, you kind of want to win. At this point, I don't really know if I want Brandon Allen to win because then Drew Locke doesn't get a chance, blah, 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 blah. Um, so my feelings are very mixed in this in this entire scenario. But when the day, day comes, of course, I'll be rooting for the Broncos to win. And I don't see them winning this one. I, just, I think the offense is going to get shut down. Minnesota... They don't have a great defense, but they've got a solid defense with a couple of really good players. Uh, da- Daniel Hunter is is or Daniel Hunter maybe is one of the best pass rushers in football he's really unheralded um he puts up numbers that really rival just about everyone else every year and he just doesn't really get the love uh they got a good secondary they got decent linebackers they're going to make it really difficult I think especially in Minnesota for the Broncos to to move the ball and I think Brandon Allen's going to show exactly why he was a sixth round pick and why he hasn't stuck with teams after a few games in you know in the preseason and why he's kind of floated around the waiver wire for the last four years and you know good for him for having getting his win for having a good game I think the Minnesota is a team that you're not going to be able to just you know throw a slant to Fant for 75 yards or you're going to just 
you know, chuck up a ball to Sutton, you know, and have him make a great play. Now, perhaps that happens. I mean, Sutton didn't make that play against a really good cornerback and in double coverage. So Sutton, as everyone knows, is my boy. Um, but I just have a feeling that this week those things are going to go against the Broncos. Minnesota is more talented, and I think that they're going to they're going to handle the Broncos decently easily. I, I think the Broncos are going to score about ten, and I got the Vikings at about twenty. I, twenty to ten is about what I expect, and that's okay as long as they don't go in and get embarrassed. Um, a loss is a loss. You know, play play with heart. See who's going to be the future of this team, which I think we're really getting an image of. And if with a loss, Drew Locke is one start closer to to showing us who he is and and what we have in him. Um, of course, again, I'm not actively rooting for a loss, but I would be fairly okay with one because it's against a really good team, and it would get Drew Locke one step closer. Now, in two weeks, that's going to be a more interesting game. I really think the Broncos have a chance. Let's see what they do against Minnesota. Obviously, we'll talk more about Buffalo coming up after that. Um, I think that the future for the Broncos, even in this season, is going to be interesting because it all hangs on the youth and it all hangs on watching um, Drew Locke, in my opinion, since it seems like he's going to start at some point this year. And like the skipper dude said, this is kind of like, it's almost like watching a preseason where you're just simply evaluating players. You're just looking at their future. What can they contribute to the future of this team and that's fun. I mean, I mean, geez, just watching Sutton making plays and Lindsay making plays and Reisner and and now hopefully Locke in the next few weeks. That's cool. Even if they lose, let's look at the positives. You guys know, I, I don't want to keep repeating myself over and over, but um, it's going to be fun uh, even if they lose in Minnesota. But I, I think there's a chance they could win, but they're going to really have to bring it on defense and really bring the energy on the road after a bye week. It's going to show a lot about the coaches. After bye weeks, you should really come out with a really good game plan. You should have a really good idea what you want to do to defeat a good team, a team that's more talented than you. And this is going to be a really good test for Fangio, Scangarello, and, and company because they've had the time. They know who's at quarterback. They know who they're playing against. They've got had time to to scheme and to build a game plan around the Vikings. And let's see if, if they've been able to. Let's see if they are up to that task. And if they are, if they can really have a brilliant game plan that somehow, you know, it, it somehow uh, outweighs the the lack of talent or the, the less talent on our team, then heck, awesome. I mean, if they win, then to me, it will show that the coaches are prepared. The coaches are, are also part of the future. I got kind of lambasted last week because I did my uh, midseason grades. And the one thing people complained about was giving the coaches a B. I think I gave them a B minus. Yeah, it's because I, I think this is not a very talented team. As simple as that. I mean, you know, Alexander Johnson is is been maybe your your top defensive player. Now that's props to him, but that I, I wouldn't label him as a talented guy. That that's not a guy who who John Elway you know should be lauded for bringing in. It, it's to, in my mind, it's just not. And look at this secondary that's really a shadow of what it used to be in terms of names you know in terms of talent. But they've played very well together. They're the number four passing team in the league. And that's with, you know, Chris Harris Jr. being the one guy you know. And, and, and obviously Justin Simmons playing very well. Kareem Jackson playing well. But these aren't stars. This isn't Tlaib and Harris and, and Ward. I mean, these are guys who I think are not as talented as other teams in the league. But the system is working for them. Justin Simmons works very well in the Fangio system. And we have to give credit to that. To the coaches. I mean, that, that's my opinion. Now, yeah, sure, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm undervaluing the talent. 
But I think very few people would look at this team and say it's overly talented. Some people had them famously or infamously winning two games this year. Now they've already won three, but they're not a very talented team. And that means you have to give the coaches credit. They've been in almost every single game. Now, not all of them. I mean, obviously, the Chiefs blew them out, and they lost to the Raiders in week one, but every other game has been very close, and you could complain that it's been because of referees and missed kicks and what, et cetera. You know, that's been the problem, and if that's the case, you have to start saying, okay, if this team has been able to compete with teams like like the Colts and, and, and others, then there, there, there's something here. You know, this is some, there's something that's working, even though the talent is not always there. And I think that the coaches deserve a little bit of a pat on the back. Yes, they're three and six, but I see something to build on. And that gives me hope that the talent can be rebuilt. John Elway seems to have figured out how to draft in the last two drafts. And you just have to bide our time and wait because John Elway failed in three or four straight drafts. And because of that, we're hurting right now. Because of that, there is little talent on this team. Now, you have to stick with your coaches. We have to have faith in them. We have to build that culture that players want to play in Denver. And if that's the case, you need a quarterback, you need a coach. Look around the NFL, guys. That's what you need. Do you think the Seattle Seahawks are the most talented team in football? No freaking way. No freaking way. You know what they have? They have Pete Carroll, they have Russell Wilson, period. Look who he's throwing it to. He's got nobody. Their defense isn't that good. Their running game's been solid. But you got a quarterback, you got a coach. New England, same thing. Now, yeah, it's a little different now, but it's still, it's been the case for the last 10 years. Now, there are you know, exceptions. Maybe San Francisco. I'm not a big Garoppolo fan, but boy, they've got a brilliant coach and a really good team around him. And he's good enough not to lose you games, typically. Now, obviously, big news coming out this week is that Colin Kaepernick has got a, I don't know what you call it. He's got a uh, an interview with all the teams in football um, on Saturday, in, I believe in Atlanta. Uh, he's going to go and, and show off what he can still do. He's going to throw the ball. He's going to run etc. Um, for anyone who listens to the show knows that I don't necessarily agree with his politics, but I do think he, he deserves a chance to, to play in the league. I mean, I, I don't, I think what he did was, was not right. I don't agree with him wearing, you know, offensive socks to policemen. I, I respect the policemen. I respect, you know, the country of America, of course, but you know, come on, there are really some guys in the league who murdered people. I mean, good grief. Yeah, the, 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 that was not the worst thing a guy could do. And I don't, I honestly don't really know why he didn't get a chance. I, I really don't. I mean, I'm not a pro Kaepernick guy. I'm not at all. But he's a talented quarterback. And when you look around the league at the guys who are playing right now, like like Mitch Trubisky, I mean, you telling me Mitch Trubisky's more talented than Colin Kaepernick? I doubt it. Now, Kaepernick wasn't a perfect quarterback at all. He had plenty of feelings. You know, he can't can't really pass in the pocket, which is a big problem. But he can pass in the pocket better than than uh, Trubisky. So I'm glad, honestly, that he's getting a shot for one so we don't have to hear about it all the time. And heck, I mean, you know, come on. You know, what he did was, was not that bad. He didn't deserve to be blackballed. And I think that hopefully he does get a chance. And, and hopefully, you know, if he does, that he, you know, he does at least – do right by by his his popularity you know if he needs to make that stance you know for for the best of what he thinks you know if he's doing it for for african-american culture and the safety you know of 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 his of his people per se then then okay good for him but make sure you don't do it in 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 at the same time you're not hurting you know another group of people because then it defeats the purpose so 
I don't know. I mean, I hope he gets a chance. I, I think it's it's a very interesting story. I don't understand how it happened. The NFL just kind of sounds like they went to his agents and said, "Hey, in five days, you're gonna you're gonna do a, a uh, tryout in Atlanta with all the teams. Be ready. You can't do it any other time. This is it." It's, it's just like, what the you know? Where does this come from? So you wonder what's been going on. Why did it take three years? Really strange story. Uh, it's kind of typical of the NFL. Things don't typically seem to go like they should, but. There's a lot going on, obviously, that we don't know. We don't know what's going on. We don't understand. I mean, and that's fine. You know, I, I hope that if he gets a chance again, he takes his fame, he takes the money he earns, and he puts it, you know, wherever he feels is best, you know, do do what he does, but don't don't go and be offensive to America and to the, the policemen and to the, the soldiers of America because it, it just doesn't help anything. So that's my two cents on it. Um, anyway, we'll see what happens. I'm really interested interested to see who picks him up. I think someone will. I mean, why not, for goodness sake? I mean, put him on your bench, if nothing else. He's going to be cheap. He's going to be affordable. He just wants a chance. So, yeah, I mean, the Broncos shouldn't get him because Elway's – I shouldn't say shouldn't. They're never going to. Elway already has a grudge against him, and, and it sounds like maybe rightly so. It's not because he's black, for goodness sake. Good grief. I hate that kind of stuff. I mean, you really think John Elway's not going to bring in someone just because the color of his skin? No, come on. Now, there are racist people in America. I can tell you right now, it's not John Elway, and it's not the GM or the owner of any country, of any any sports team, at least for the fact that they just want to bring the best players because they want to win because they want to make money. So that's a ridiculous take. It's absurd. And, and people just need to, to stop talking about it. Elway just wants to bring in the best quarterback he can, the best players he can. And I guarantee you, I promise you, he doesn't give half a crap about the color of their skin. Now, privately, I don't know his beliefs, but I can tell you as a GM, he does not care. Anyway, okay, I'm done. I'm out. I'll see you guys next week. Go Broncos. Hopefully they beat the Vikings. If not, it's okay. We're one step closer to the future. I'm out.